Okay, um, good morning. Today's daf is daf Kufmem Zayin. We're going to go from the Mishnah towards the bottom of Kufmem Vavam Mubayz 146b. Um, today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas. Yehudis. Yehudis Shulamis Bas. Yaakov Halevi, Shmuel Schneer Zalman ben Alexander, Zev Halevi, Chanabas Ruvain, Yoel Hillel ben Ruvain, and Ben Sion ben Zev Avram Halevi. May their memory be a blessing. Okay, and um, so the Mishnah says. You can put a dish into a bar in order that it is uh, preserved. I, you can take a pot and put it in of food and put it into an empty uh, cistern or something like that to keep it cool, to keep it uh, protected from the elements. And you can put good water and bad water to keep it cool. What you do is I take a good quality spring water or, or water that they boiled and uh, purified a little bit in a clee and put it in, uh, leave it to, so, uh, to keep it cool in another, in a pool of water. And that pool of water was of, often stagnant and not nice. So that's the good water in the bad water. Obviously, it doesn't mean just pour the good water into the bad water. How does that help anyone? It means in a clee. Ve'es hatsoinein b'chama you're allowed to put cold water in the sun to warm it up. So that's the first part of the Mishnah discussing these cases which seem pretty, pretty obvious, which the Gemara will mention and discuss that point that they seem pretty obviously, but uh, touching on cooking. What happens if your clothes got wet from water and they fell into water or something like that while you were walking? So now you can't take them off because you're in the middle of the... You're in public. So he says, You can walk in them and you don't have to worry that someone will suspect you of having freshly laundered your clothes on Shabbos. Remember, washing clothes is the Isra of Malabain and it's Isra Deraisa. And if you're walking in wet clothes, are we you don't have to be concerned. As soon as you're in the outer courtyard, you can spread them out in the sun and obviously you can't spread them where people will see we'll discuss this very shortly in the Gemara but basically you don't want people to see that you've hung up your, clo- hung up your clothes because then they will think that you washed them on Shabbos so you put them out of sight and then you can leave them to dry now let's just go back to the Gemara so the Gemara says uh, sorry the Gemara back on the first line of the Mishnah remember, says Pshita, isn't it obvious that you can put a pot of food into a pit? Like, what's the malocha? Why would that? Why would you ever think that's a problem? There's no malditaimer nigzor mishum ashfui gumos. You might have thought that it's a problem because you'll come to smoothen the ground. Or you want the pot to balance nicely. You don't want it to topple, so you're going to smooth the ground, which, as we know, can be poine or choresh. Kamash malan that you don't have to worry. You can put a jar of good water, drinkable water in a pool of bad water to keep it cool. Pshit, isn't that obvious? You're right, it is obvious. But it's for this next point. You can put cold water in the sun. 
So most are hachanami pshita. That is also obvious. Why would you not be allowed to warm up cold water in the sun? As we know, the issue of bishul is specifically through ash, through fire. What if it's through the sun? There's no issue. So why would you ever think that you couldn't do that? Says no mal determined. You might have no. You might have thought that we should make exera that if you're allowed to warm up this water in the sun, you might warm it up in hot coals, in uh, like coals and ash. Remember, remets is like the coals and ash that are left, and they would often insulate their food in that. So, you might, if someone does that with their pot, they might have with their water. They might in the sun. They might think that you can do that. Come as Milan that we don't. We don't say that people make that mistake. Ah, uh, you need your your water's freezing. And you want to just uh, make it a little bit more bearable. So you want to put it in the sun to warm up. No one's ever going to get confused and say, Oh, look, he put his water in the sun. Or I put my water in the sun last week. I'm going to put it in the oven among some coals this week. Okay, then he says, Omar Abiyur, Omar Rav, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav. Now we're going on the discussion of laundering. So, I mean, the general concern would be you're not allowed to launder your clothes on Shabbos. And therefore, you're not allowed to hang up wet clothes because people will think you have laundered. We said if you were walking and you slipped and fell into the river or into a puddle and your clothes are all wet, you can take them off when you, you can hang them up when you get home as long as it's not clearly in the eye of the public. Now, Omar Rav Yura, Omar Rav, Kol Mokom She'asru Chachomim B'Nei Maris Ayin, Afilu B'Chadrei Chadorim Asur. Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, wherever they forbade the Chachomim said, you're not allowed to do something because of Maris Ayin, because people will think you have done something wrong. You're not even allowed to do it in your innermost rooms. In the most secret um, room in your house, you can't even hang them up. Moses says, but didn't we learn in Al Mishnah, you're allowed to hang it in the sun as long as it's not in front of people. So almost saying, if you have, you can't hang them out on the lawn in the front lawn where anyone walking past will see. But if you have a little in the back garden or in the laundry room or something like that, it would be fine to hang them up because people can't see. But that seems against the principle that we've mentioned, that when something is forbidden because of Maris Ayn. And here what we mean by Maris Ayn is people will think that you have done something that is also, they will think that you have laundered your clothes on Shabbos, even in the most secret place. So the Gemara answers, no, tonight here it's actually Machloikas Tanoim. The time as we learned in the The one opinion says you can spread them out in the sun, hang them up in the sun as long as it's not where people will see. Rabbi Loza, Rabbi Shimon Oishim, and Rabbi Loza and Rabbi Shimon say it's also. And we actually Paskin like Rabbi Eliezer, we Shulchan Aruch Paskin is more like Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Shimon, that even where people won't see it's also. Once Chazal come along and tell us that you're not allowed to do something because people will think that what you are doing is Asur, then, um, then you're not even allowed to do it in the most secret places in your house. Now, so what do you do? So you walked home, you got splashed by a puddle or it rained. And you've got these dripping wet clothes. So what are you supposed to do with them? Obviously you haven't done any Isur because you didn't wash them. But you can't just leave them. So that, I mean they bring a few solutions. Is If you hang it up in a way that's clearly not because you've done laundry. I like over a door handle. Or uh, if it's very, very slightly damp. Clearly it didn't just come out the washing machine. It's so damp. It's, it's hardly damp. Then you could also hang it up. Things like that. There would be leniencies, but strictly speaking, you've got to be very careful with hanging up 
your wet clothes on Shabbos, even if they got wet in a mutar way. Um, yeah, just an interesting uh, point. So they go in, is this only when the Isur... So there's two types of Maris Ayin or two types of Chashad. Some actually say that that's what the terms mean. One is that people will suspect you of doing something wrong. Like here, they will suspect you of having laundered your clothes. That's often referred to, I think Ramosha says, that's called Chashad. Even Chashad, suspicion. And um, the other type would be... Maris Ayin would be where people will learn from you something that is also. And they'll say, they'll see you have, I mean, that's not the concern here, but theoretically they'll see you've hung up the washing. So it says, oh, you're actually allowed to rinse your clothes on Shabbos. Look, he, he's hanging up his washing, must be, that's fine. So that's the other, the other concern. Um, and there's also a big discussion, when does these, when do we go strict and say it's only even Bechadre Chadorim is also, even in the most secret places also. Um, in your even in your bedroom, it would be hang, also to hang up your clothes. Is that only when it's a chashad of or even isudorabonon? Okay, those are technical points in the poskim. Let's carry on. Um, carry on with another halacha regarding laundry. So Amar Avuna Avuna says, "I'm an Eretz but Shabbos chayav chatas. If someone shakes out his talis from dust, he's chayav chatas." Rashi here says, "Dust. Your clothes are a little bit dusty, and you." Brush them to get the dust off. You have a That's laundry. Tosas interestingly say it must be dew. To dust your clothes isn't anything, and it must be like they're a little bit wet from dew. So then to dust them off because then they're wet and you're using water. But we just for simplicity's sake, let's go with Rashi. So to just dust your clothes off is a problem on Shabbos. This is specifically with new clothes where dusting them makes a difference. But if they're old clothes, it's fine. And that's specifically with black clothes where the dust looks bad on it. With um, white or red clothes, it would be no problem. And it all, it, in a way, it boils down to whether he's particular about it. I, would you wear these clothes as they are? If your suit jacket is dusty, that when you take it out the cupboard, whether on a weekday or Shabbos, you'd still wear it, then you're allowed to dust it off. If you're particular, you'd be like, oh, I've got a, I would never wear a jacket like that. Well, then you would not be allowed to dust it off on Shabbos. So obviously on Shabbos, you want to look a bit neater and a bit smarter. So there you kind of have to gauge by the weekday. Would you be prepared to walk outside of your house with your jacket looking like that? If you would, then even on Shabbos, when you want to look a little bit smarter, you can dust it off. Yeah, there's an interesting discussion in the Mishabura. What happens if it's my jacket and I'm particular, but you are going to du- you see it dusty, so you want to dust it off, and you're not particular, or the other way around? Do we go after who's who's doing the laundering, or after the person whose clothes it is, where the dusting it off counts as washing? Okay, not going to go into that question now, but that's just the interesting. I thought that was quite an interesting question the Mishnah Brewer goes into. Ula ikle le pumpedisa chazer abonah the komanasi du gamlayu. Ula went to pumpedisa and he saw all the rabbis they used to dust their jackets off. So this Omar kamachalin rabbonah Shabbos. Look at the rabbis breaking Shabbos. So Omalu who Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Yehuda said to his students, he said no futsa lei ba'ape. You can dust off your jackets in his face. Anan loy kaptina mi We not at all particular about this. I, we don't really worry about this sort of dust on our clothes. Therefore, we can dust it off. Abaya have a call. Kaimei de Rabbi Yosef Omalei havli. Kumtaya Bai was standing before Rabbi Yosef, and Rabbi Yosef asked him to pass his hat. 
so he was reluctant to give it to him. He didn't want to hand his Rebbe a dirty hat, but he didn't know he could dust it off because isn't that washing on Shabbos? So Amalei, north with Shodhi. It says, dust it off, push the ground, put the dust onto the ground. I don't know, Kabdina, meaning we're not at all particular about such things. Said the name of Rabbi Yochanan. So, so this is a new point. So that ends off that discussion. We basically, um, if you look at Shulchan Aruch, you have to be quite strict with dusting your clothes on Shabbos because of this Rashi that says it's uh, how Rashi learns the Gemara here that it uh, could be koyves. And if you wouldn't wear wouldn't wear clothes that are with dust like that on them, then it's a serious problem to dust them off on Shabbos. Okay, a new point regarding wearing clothes. Um, if someone goes with his talus folded over onto his shoulders, he's chavachatas, eyes transgressed, carrying on on Shabbos. Remember, regarding wearing clothes, you're allowed to wear clothes, but you're not allowed to carry clothes. So that's always, when you're wearing clothes in an odd way, you always have to analyze... Is that considered, are you wearing them? Or does it turn out to be it's a load, a burden that you're carrying? So you hear what it's speaking about, how I understood this. Imagine if you're wearing a talus, like our talus. Remember, they used to wear, their robes were much, very similar to our talus. I mean, they might hang more, like we fold them up onto our shoulders, as we'll see a bit further down. That could actually be problematic for them. But they used to wear them like a jacket, so it would hang down on their arms and hang down to the back. So sometimes they would pick up the back, of the talus and pull it over to on top of their shoulders. Now that reveals a lot more of your back than your coat would normally cover. So that's considered carrying. Those who sell um, clothes, who go out with their talus, fold it up onto their shoulders. If they would do that on Shabbos, and not specifically people who sell clothes, anyone. Also, why do we mention people who sell clothes? It's the normal way for those who sell clothes to go like this. Remember, if you're wearing your Talus all the way down as it normally is, it's very likely to get dirty at the bottom, splashed, dragged, etc. So, one of the ways to keep it clean is you'd fold it over. So, someone who's selling clothes, whenever he is transporting clothes, he would always fold them up so that they don't drag on the ground. But as we've seen, that's considered carrying. Then another locha in this line If a chenvani goes with money tied into his clothes or wrapped up in his clothes, for carrying that money. And it's considered carrying for anyone. It just mentions chenvani because they're the ones who would often carry money like this. Um, interesting question that the um, the commentaries go into, but isn't it mukta? What, why are we coming on to it's an issue of carrying or not? You were never allowed to pick up the money because it's mukta. Okay, that's an interesting question that the poskim go into. Vaharatanim yoitzim besudorim. Ratanim, people from Ratan, are allowed to go out with their sudorim, their scarves or their hats, which hang on their shoulders. 
and not specifically people from Ratanim, except rather anyone can go out with this. mentions Ratanim because they're the ones who would normally wear their scarves like this. I don't know if we're talking about like a classical scarf, but you know, like you see the turbans with the extra, with the extra uh, cloth that hangs down over the so- shoulders, and then they can use it to wrap around their face or wrap themselves up a little. But either way, they're allowed to wear it over their shoulders. Um, it's not considered carrying. Hukanus, the son of Rabbi Eliezer ben Hukanus, you see, was named after his grandfather, Shiyotza, Basura Shal Katfeu. He would go with the scarf around his shoulders, the Shabbos. He tied a thread of it to his finger so that it doesn't fall off and he end up carrying it. And when, the, when they came to ask the sages, this, when they mentioned this to the, the Chachomim, they said, ah, even if he didn't have this thread, he could walk around like that. Dorash Rav Nachman Barav Chizda Mishmei de Rav Chizda Halacha Afal Pishainu Nima Kruchalo Be'etzvos You can go out with this scarf in this way even if your finger is not tied. Even if it's not tied to your hand. Okay. Ukla Ula Ikla Lebei Asi Barhini Ula went to the house of Asi Barhini Bowman and asked him Ha'alaso is Marzev B'Shabbos So you're allowed to make a Marzev on Shabbos. We'll see very shortly what it is. So Omer he said in the name of Rabbi Eli, it's forbidden to make a marzev on Shabbos. My marzev, what is this marzev? Marzev generally means a gutter. Like you can imagine that catches rainwater. So what do you mean a gutter in your clothes? So Omer Rabbi like the Babylonian pockets. It sounds from Rashi, we speaking something along the lines of a hem. They would make this... So either so that their clothes didn't drag on the ground or something, if they were a bit long, they would make a hem and fasten it and keep it in place. So if you would, so this is what we're speaking about that you're not allowed to make on Shabbos, a hem. Another possibility is they would fold, a, fold the cloth up a bit higher. So it wasn't actually on like where we would have our hem on the end of our garment, but maybe even in the middle of them. But it boils down to the same point. It's this Babylonian pocket. That is like a hem that they would fasten in place to keep it up. Uh, to keep it up. Says Rabbi Yirmiya was sitting before Rabbi Zara and also, can you do it like this? And he said, no, you can't. And he said, can you do it like this? He was showing him different ways of folding the garment. And he said, no, both of those are also. So Omar Papa no could high klalab Papa says, go with the following rule. If you're doing it to fold it up and keep it in place, I because you want to kind of, I guess, like us, make a hem, make your garment shorter, also it would be forbidden. If you're doing it for um, beauty to look nice, sorry, then it's permitted. Like we know, Shisha Braid Ravidi would fix up his garment. Fix up his, ta- adjust his talus, but to look nice. So you can imagine, you know, so if you want to, your sleeves are too long, so you fold them back because they're too long, then that's problematic because that's how you want them to keep. But if you're like a teenager who thinks it's cool to have it, to wear a short, tight shirt and fold up his sleeves, because that's what looks nice, that's what the fashion is, well then that would be fine. That's primarily when you're doing it to adjust your clothes that it's a problem. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that would be a problem. That, that I think would be like the classic example for us would be to, to uh, fold up your pants. If it's a little child, um, I was wondering, a little child who, you know, their pants are slipping down, um, can the father fold up his pants? And I, th I think that's, uh, that, I mean, that's touch and go with the sugya, but it's really done in a very, when we fold up our pants, it's really done in a non-permanent way. If he's going to safety pin it or obviously sew it or stitch it, you know, or make a good crease that it stays like that, then it could be Aina Khinami, it might actually be a problem. Um, Kiyoso... Oh no, it's fine. The problem is to do it on Shabbos. We're all discussing on Shabbos. Yeah, the problem is to do it on Shabbos. To do it during the weekday, there's no problem. It's here, it's because you're adjusting your clothes. Uh, it seems here to have to do with the permanency of the adjustment you're doing. So if you're doing it for long term, then it would be a problem, even if it's not permanent. And if you're doing it for... No, so that's fine. But why should that be a problem? Why should that be a problem? No, no, no. The issue is not wearing it on Shabbos. The issue is actually making the hem on Shabbos. So you put on your, your suit pants and you realize, oh wait, they're a bit long. And you fold them up. And you decide, oh, and then you like safety put them in place because this is how you're going to wear them for the next few weeks. That would be a problem. But if, you, um, but if you're just rolling up your sleeves because it's hot, or you're going to be walking through a puddle, so you just want to roll up your pants for that part, then it wouldn't be a problem. Once Rebbe went out into the field and the two ends of his talus were folded over his shoulder. I think what this, this sounds to be folding the front of his talus over his shoulders. Not like we were discussing earlier, the back of his talus over his shoulders. But I'm not too clear exactly how he's wearing it. So, Amr Lafod of Yeshua ben Zoriz ben Chamishel Rebbe Meir. The son-in-law of Rebbe Meir. Sorry, the, the son of the father, the, the son of the father-in-law of Rabbi Meir. I remember his brother-in-law asked him, he says, Rabbi Meir, chattis, didn't Rabbi Meir hold you chava chattis if you wear your clothes like that? So Omar Rabbi Meir, he said, oh, if Rabbi Meir was so pretty, was Rabbi Meir, this particularly, he held even this, was a chai of chattis, well then he lowered his garment. Have Ella ben Kapusai. Now the previous incident wasn't with Rabbi Yeshua ben Zoriz, it was Rabbi Yeshua ben Kapusai. Akiva, the son-in-law of Rabbi Akiva, and he told, he said to Rabbi Omar Rabbi Akiva Khatas, would did Rabbi Akiva not hold you Chava Khatas in this case? So Omalay dictate Rabbi Akiva Ad Khan was Rabbi Akiva. This particularly held even in this case it was problematic. Shil Shul Rabbi Talis and Rabbi lowered his garment. Kiosor of Shmubar. Rav Yehuda Omar Nishal Itmar. He says it wasn't this that Rebbe wore his coat like this and then they asked him in the name of the sage. It was they asked Rebbe, are you allowed to wear your cloak like this? And Rebbe seemed to say it's fine. And then they said, what about the other opinions? I, it wasn't an actual incident that happened, but more a question that was discussed in the yeshiva. Okay, next Mishnah. Vinistapega filu, sorry, Vinistapega filu ba asora aluntis. 
if someone baths in a cave water, they used to heat up water and leave it in a cave so that it stayed hotter, like an enclosed area, so it stayed hotter, or in the hot springs of Tiberia, and he dry, and he wants to dry, and he dries himself. Even if he uses ten tiles, he's not allowed to carry them in his hands. Why? Because he will come to do schitter. The water, when you dry yourself, water goes in the towel and he'll end up squeezing out that water. But you can have even 10 people using the same towel to dry their whole body. And they can carry it in their hand. As we'll see in the Gomorrah. Because if you have multiple people involved, then they're all going to remind each other not to squeeze it out. So that's fine. Um, sakin, carrying on with the bathhouse procedure, sakin umashamshamin, you can anoint with oil. They used to rub themselves with oil after their baths, umashamshamin, and have a massage. Avaloi misalmin veloi misgarim. You're not allowed to. Um, misalmin would be a firm massage, and misgarim would be scrape off the oil with a special tool. And the, it seems that's because it's uvde dechol, or it might be connected to refua, but it's uvde dechol. Ein yordim le kurdaima, you're not allowed to go into the river kurdaima. We'll see why in the Gemara. Ein oisin apik tuzin, you're not allowed to make a vomiting agent. Ve'ein... You're not allowed to straighten the joints of a katan. You're not allowed to set a bone, a broken bone. Someone whose arm or leg dislocated, you're not allowed to massage it in cold water. But you can wash it in cold water in the normal way. And if he heals, he heals. All these last lists in the Mishnah from... Um, Going into the river Kurdaima to making a vomiting agent to reset, to setting, straightening the joints of a child, um, setting a bone, resetting a dislocated shoulder, etc. They're all to do with. Um, they're all to do with refua. And as we know, you're not allowed to do anything for refua. Obviously, these would all just be. Uh, where it's obviously not a danger to life because then you would be allowed to. Gitani, we learned in our Mishnah Meimah Ora, Dumya Demait Veria. It says Meimah Ora, similar, which is like Demait Meria. Mamait Veria, Chamim Af Meimah Ora Chamim. Just as the waters of Tveria were hot, this cave water we discuss, it must also be hot water. Haroichets, the Eved Ilechatchila law. But it implies that it says Haroichets, if you washed yourself in this cave water on Shabbos, implying that you're not allowed to go ahead and do it, but if you did it. So the Gemara, Michlal de Lehista Tev Kol Gufa, Afilu Lechatchila Shapridami, that implies to have a shower, to have water poured on you would be fine. Again, the Mishnah emphasizes it. I don't want to go through the whole flow of it, but basically it comes up. The Mishnah's, the primary halach of the Mishnah is can you use a towel? And the problem with the towel, oh sorry, you can use the towel, but you can't carry it home because you'll come to squeeze it out. Now, but why does it discuss if you're in the Chamei Tiveria or the Meimahora, a cave water in Tiveria? That's irrelevant to the discussion of can you carry the towel home. Just say someone who wiles themselves. So it must be coming to teach a new, another point. And the emphasis is that we're discussing hot water. And that Bidi Eved, you're not allowed to bathe 
in hot water. But you can have a shower in hot water. Money, who's the author who holds you can have a shower in hot water? Rabbi Shimon, the Tanya Loishtatev automate Mukhamin Bain Batsonin Tivri Mary Bimer says you're not allowed to have a shower whether in hot water or cold water on Shabbos. Rabbi Shimon Mati, Rabbi Shimon says you can have a shower on Shabbos, and Rabbi Uraim Bachamim also Batsonin Mutar. Rabbi Ura says in hot water it's forbidden, but in cold water it is permitted. So I mean interesting enough, so it comes out from here that you can have a shower on uh, on, on Shabbos. And according to Rabbi Shimon, in hot or cold water, we very we quite strict with water. We don't, as as we know that really to wash in cold water, according to the Xeris is fine. It's only water that was heated up, specifically heated up, that's forbidden in the Xera. But we're actually, for various reasons, if you look at the Mishnah amongst others discuss them. For various reasons, we're very strict. We don't wash in cold water, and we don't even shower in cold water. Uh, Rav Moshe does have a tshuva, and he comes out that since it's a minhag to not wash in cold water, like if there's tsar, like let's say it's one of those boiling hot summer's days and you walked, and you're just like uncomfortable, really uncomfortable from the heat, then he says you can actually have a cold shower. So where there's a need, where it's obviously for a fur, but even for like great discomfort, then you could have a cold shower on Shabbos, that's what Ramosha says. Okay, then we mentioned Ministape, Gafilo Antulios. You can dry yourself if you dry yourself when you dry yourself, even if you use ten towels, you can't carry them home because you might, but if they're ten people, even if they all used one towel, you can um, carry it home. Says Raisha Rabusha Kamashmalan Besafer Abusha Kamashmalan. The Raisha is teaching us a novel point and so to the Safer. Raisha Rabusha Kamashmalan. What's the novel point of the Raisha of the first? Dafilo honey delona fishibumaya. Even if there's hardly any water. Can you imagine you drown yourself after getting out of the shower with ten towels? There'd hardly be any any water. Kiva in the Khadhu, since he's alone, Aizilaishita, he might come to Shita and therefore it's also to carry those towels. The Sefer Abuza Kamash Malan and the Sefer is teaching us a novel point. They had yet 10 people who were dripping wet from their bath or their shower and they dried themselves all with the same towel. So now that towel is soaking wet. Since there are enough people, they will remind, since there are other people, they will remind each other and therefore it's permitted to carry that towel home. We learned in a Baisa, Mr. Peik Adam. Yeah, we can assume we're discussing the, this, the following discussion. Let's assume it's done in a mutar way. They're going bathing in cold water in a bathhouse. Remember, it's a much later minag that we don't go into, that we don't even bath in cold water. It's a much later minag in the time of the Gomorrah. It was only bathing in hot water that was heated. That's a problem. Even Chamei Tiveria, the springs of Tiveria, which is hot water, but it's naturally hot, they, would, they were allowed to bath in that on Shabbos. So let's discuss, someone went to the bathhouse to have a cold bath, to have a bit of a swim, which in the times of the Gemara was 100% permitted. So he takes the aluntis and he places it in the locker. He shouldn't hand it to the bathhouse attendant because we don't trust him. If you give it to the bathhouse attendant, he might squeeze it out. We don't really trust him. So put it in the locker and leave it there. And obviously the bathhouse attendant cleaning up the bathhouse will come and take it. But at least you haven't done anything specifically wrong. Rabbi Shimon says you can even 
even if you're one person and you drive yourself with one towel, aye, it's quite wet, you can carry it home. I unlike our Mishnah, remember, this is what we're going to buy. So, what's the halacha? Our Mishnah said if you have one person alone, even if he uses 10 towels, he's not allowed to carry them because he might come to squeeze them out. We just saw Rabbi Shimon says, even one person using one towel, so you've got quite a wet towel, he's allowed to carry it home. So Rabbi Shimon's not concerned. This is We find Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel, and Rabbi Yochanan all permitted. So therefore, that would be the halacha. Where do we see this? Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, as we just said, he said you can carry your towel home. Rabbi Tanya, as we learned in Abraisa, Omer Rabbi, Kishon Yerelamein in Torah, it's Rabbi Shimon. But okay, when we were learning Torah by Rabbi Shimon in Tokayo, or you know, Malin Shemen Valuntis Michotzel Agag, or Migag Lekarkeif Adjoni Magim Eitzomayim. We would carry the oil for bathing and the towels going through all these private properties because Rabbi Shimon holds as we'll learn about a more in Eruvin you can carry from one private property to the next so that was so that's why they used to go the strange way through Chotzer to a roof etc to a carfev till they arrived at the spring where they would wash there and the Rashi points out most likely they didn't leave their towels at the spring so it must be they were allowed to carry them home that's how Rashi learns it from you. So you see, you can go to a spring, wash yourself, and walk home with your towel. According to Rabbi Shmuel, a person can dry himself with an aluntis and carry it home. Where do we see Rabbi Yochanan held like this also? As Rabbi Chia Bar Abba said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, a person can dry himself with an aluntis and carry it home. So according to all these opinions, you can, you can carry the towel that you used home. We're not worried that when carrying it home, you're going to do schitta. Did Rabbi Yochanan really say this? Rabbi Yochanan said that Allah is like a Stam Mishnah. And our, Mishnah, our anonymous Mishnah says that you can't carry a towel home. So what's Rabbi Yochanan saying? He says, our Mishnah says very clearly, even if you dry yourself with ten towels, you can't carry them home. So the Gemara says, no, Rabbi Yochanan taught this Mishnah as Ben Chakinai says. It's not anonymous. It was said in the name of Ben Chakinai. The bathhouse attendants can carry the women's type of towels or robes to the bathhouse as long as they cover their head and most of their body. Sachnisa, and how would they carry this? This is like the head towel that the woman would use. They have to tie. This is, you can imagine, like women are worried about their long hair in the wet. They get too cold, etc. So they wear a towel or a robe over it. So that has to be tied below the shoulders. It has to be unsecure so they don't come to, so that they're wearing it and not carrying it. Rava said to the people of Mechuzah, When you're carrying clothes out to the soldiers, Make sure you're wearing it hanging below your, shoulder, your, your shoulders. I, when soldiers used to ca- camp near a town, the government soldiers, it was on that town to support them. So if they needed clothes and the Jews had to carry out the clothes on Shabbos, he says basically wear them. Obviously don't put them on normally because then you'll get in trouble with the soldiers. But let them hang down past your shoulders so that it looks like you're wearing them. That's the problem of Hotzah. Okay, then we mentioned in the Mishnah, Sachin um Mashmashin. You can 
rub yourself with oil. Again, remember mamachek that we've discussed, smearing, that's with the thicker substance. Oil is considered a liquid and you're allowed to smear yourself with a liquid. Umamashmashim, and you can have the massage. You can anoint your stomach and massage it. Shabbos, even on Shabbos, as long as you don't do it the same way as it was done in the weekday. So how should you do it? First rub on the oil and then massage. It seems that according to him, the normal way to do it was to first have the massage and then rub on the oil. Rabbi Yochanan Omer, Rabbi Yochanan says, No, do the anointing and rubbing on the oil and the massage at the same time. Okay, then we mention, because that would be the unusual way to do it. Ava loimis almim, you can't have a firm massage. You're not allowed to stand in the mud of the Diyumsa's river because it rejuvenates and heals. So it's because of Rafua. People would go stand in their mud because of Rafua. The beneficial days of this of standing in the mud of this river is for 21 days, but Atzeres Minaminyan and Shvuos is one of those days. So Iboilehu Atzeres Lahaigisa or Lahaigisa? Is Atzeres the start of the 21 days or is Atzeres Shvuos the end of the 21 days? Hey, which day, when are those 21 days that this mud, that this standing in this river is extremely healthy? So Toshma coming here, the Amr Shmuel Kula Shakinai. Shmuel said, Regarding all liquid, um, liquid healing drinks, they're most beneficial from Pesach until Shvuas. Pesach, because that word divcha, in Ara, just an interesting side point. How do we get Pesach from divcha? So in Aramaic, we find the Zion is interchangeable with a Dalit. So that would be Mizevach from the Korban, the day of the Korban. That's the Korban Pesach. So Zevach and Devach, Divach, Divach would be the Pesach until Shvuz Malu. So we see that Shvuz must be the end of the beneficial days because as Shmuel says, all liquid healings are most beneficial up until from Pesach, but up until Shvuz. So when we say that this river is extra beneficial for 21 days, it must be 21 days up until Shvuz. No, maybe because all those... Um, liquids we were discussing is the cooler the uh, the cooler it is in general the better but here um, it's the steam the hot air from this river that, that's beneficial and therefore the hotter the weather in general the better and remember Pesach is spring going into summer so the later you go, further away from Pesach, the hotter it gets. So maybe for this river, you actually want it hotter. Omar Rebbe Chelbo Chamre de Paruki to Parukaisai Omaya Diduyamseis Kafchu Asoros Hashvotim Israel. Rebbe Chalmo says that this wine of Pargusa and the water of this Diyumseis are what prevented or what deprived the ten tribes of Yisrael. Uh, they got caught up in these extreme luxuries, and it led them into a lifestyle that was not very, uh, not a very uh, Jewish God-fearing lifestyle, and therefore they got 
um, that's why we lost the ten tribes. And now it gives a story where we see this. Um, basically, it's going to discuss Rabbi Elisa ben Arach. Remember, at the time of the destruction of the temple, Rabbi Elchanan ben Zakkai went and he set up Yavde. And uh, his students seemed to have followed him, or I'm not sure where exactly he was. I'm actually now I'm trying to think about where exactly he was based. But Rabbi Loza ben Arach was one of his main students. If you look in the Mishnin Avos, where it discusses Rabbi Loza ben Arach, we're going to quote it very shortly, but um, he was actually, he might have been equivalent to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's other Talmudim. I'm trying to remember Rabbi, Rabbi Shur, Rabbi Loza ben Arach, Rabbi Loza ben Azari, phenomenal, phenomenal Tabirei Chachamim, and it says one of the versions is that Rabbi Loza ben Arach was outweighed all of them in his Torah wisdom. But when they were going to... Uh, and to, I think it was when they were going to Yavne, he felt, or his wife persuaded him, that it was beneath his dignity to tag along. He must be the trendsetter, they must follow him. So he went to his own town. And this town had all these luxuries. So when Rabbi Lozo ben Arach went to that place, he got drawn after these luxuries. This wine and this river, the, the luxury river, it says, He forgot all his learning. And one day he returned and they, invi- they gave him an aliyah to read in the Sefer Torah. And boy, he was supposed to read and Omar, what did he say? He's mixing up like Dalet and Arash, which is very similar. He's mixing up Hazer, Zayn and Ayud, which are quite similar. And Lochem with Libom. So he's making a very clear mistakes that he's like kind of a bit, he's a bit rusty, he's forgotten a lot of his learning. I'm interesting, they point out, is the first mitzvah in the Torah. He forgot right at the beginning. This is the first mitzvah. He forgot from the beginning. And I, I, he's, it's not like he, it's the more complex points that he's forgotten. He's forgotten even basic stuff. He's even forgotten the first mitzvah in the Torah and basically getting confused with how to read. And so he says, Boy Rabbon Rachmi Oleva had a Talmudai. He davened, the, the, the Rabbonan davened for him and he, re- and he remembered his learning again. And this is what Rabbi Noirat says When you're exiling, always go to the place of Torah. Don't say that the Torah will follow me. It's your colleagues who will keep the Torah in you. And on your wisdom and own understanding, don't rely. I, when you're in an area, Rashi basically explains, when you, you might be learning one thing and another Talmud Chochem is learning a different thing. And you always have to be on your toes to discuss it with each other. So therefore, when you're amongst other Talmudai Chachomim, other people are learning, your learning will be kept, will be guarded. When you go by yourself, well then as you learn one thing and move on to the next thing, you're going to forget the first thing you learned. That's how Rashi explains it. Um, but And uh, it's an important lesson to, when choosing where to stay. Sometimes it's not always the best choices in the, where you can get the best, uh, most luxury apartment or how near is it to the, to the broadwalk or the promenade. You know, you've got to choose uh, where will I be, uh, where, spiritually, where will I be the most stimulated. 
His name isn't really Nuraya, it's Rabbi Nechemia. And some say this is actually Rabbi Lezben Arach. So why was his name Nuhurai? Why was he called Nuray? Because he was such a phenomenal Tamud Chochem, he, he lit up the eyes of the other Tamud Chochemim. This was probably Rabbi Lion, Rabbi Elazar ben Arach in his youth before he separated from his colleagues. He was, he was the one who lit up their eyes. And still, look what happened to him. Let's do a few more lines. Avaloim is Garin. We said you can't use the the stick, the comb that they used to scrape the oil off. And that's Ton Rabon and Ain Goyim be Magreres be Shabbos. You're not allowed to scrape with this comb on Shabbos. And because of Uvda de Chol. So Rabbi Shimon Gamal says, Imo you raglo meluch lachas, but tito but so a goyrekadako. Obviously, if you have mud or dirt on your feet, you can scrape it off because it's clearly you're not doing it for this massage. But you don't have to worry that people will suspect you of having this type of massage, which is also because of Rafua. Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda of the Le'imam Migrarsa de Kasper. Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda said his mother made him a silver comb. And I've then explained, oh, so if you use the same thing on Shabbos as you use during the weekday for a fairly weekday activity, that's Uvda de Chol. But if you have a special one for Shabbos, then it's fine. It's very interesting where this comes up in a fascinating example, having a different key for Shabbos. This is a big discussion about brushing your teeth on Shabbos. One, is it, is it schite? Is it mamareya? When you spread the toothpaste? All different problems. Ravavadja, um, I think it's Ravavadja Yosef. I'm going to actually check it up. But it's him. He says, it's all of this. You get around all these issues except uvde de chol. And he says, the main thing you have to be worried about is Uvda de Chol. So he says, what should you do? Have a special toothbrush for Shabbos. And then it's not Uvda de Chol. Like we see here, have a special uh, comb for Shabbos, and it's not Uvda de Chol. And then he says, Ein yordim kurdemisa, my timer, what's the reason you're not allowed to go to this river Kurdemia? Sorry, not Kurtisa, Kurdemia. says, Bishum Pika, because you might slip. And Rashi says, and then your clothes, it's a, the mud there is very slippery. So if you walk to that river, you're invariably going to slip. Your clothes are going to get wet and you're going to come to do Schitta. That's how Rashi looks. Then, Oisema, Tixim, Shabbos, you're not allowed to make uh, vomiting. You're not allowed to make yourself vomit on Shabbos. Omer Rabbi Bachano, Omer Rabbi Rabbi Bachano says the name of Rabbi Yochan, Lo Shonu Ela Besam, Avabiyad Mutar. He says this is specifically if you take medicine to make yourself vomit, because that's Mishum Rafua. But if you use your hand to make your vomit, that's fine. And Tanya Rabbi Nechemi, Rabbi Nechemi says, no, even during the weekday, you're not allowed to do this, make yourself vomit, because it's Hefzid Oichlin, it's, it's destroying food. Interesting enough, I mean, I wouldn't have said destroying food, I would have said, but basically you, you end up eating double. So either you're wasting the first food or the second food. Um, it was a, I think it was a Greek and Roman practice is to indulge extra. They would eat till they were full and then they'd go out and vomit and come back and eat again. It's, uh, I, I think this follows very well from what we're learning. Don't get caught. You can sometimes get caught up too much in the luxuries of this world. Like we saw Rebbe Lozim and Arach got caught, up of, got caught up after the luxuries and he forgot his Torah learning. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So that's uh, yeah. That was their standard practice, and it's not a very, uh, it's not a very dignified practice, and it's hefzer hoichlin. It's a waste of food, and other. I guess there are other problems as well. Um,
Yeah. Just one further, but I was just thinking, it sounds to me like there are two distinct, ex- two distinct explanations why Rebelezim and Araf lost his Torah. We started off with speaking about getting drawn off the luxuries. And then we brought a Mishnah which says that you must always ex- you must always go when you're being exiled, when you're moving, you must always go to a place of Tamidei Chachomim. It sounds like two different examples, two different problems. But maybe it was both. It seems his wife persuaded him to move to that luxury village, uh, that luxury, to stay in that uh, resort town, luxury resort town or whatever it was, a very uh, fancy city. And uh, where he should have followed Torah, and they, they tied together. He was his lifestyle was a little bit too much leaning to being drawn off the luxury, and his uh, and therefore he forgot his Torah. Okay, I think we'll leave it there for today. Have a very good Shabbos.